0: Last week we started a brand new series called Out of Egypt and we focused on the initial conversation between God and a man in the scripture known as Moses. And in that passage we learned that God sees, God hears, and God responds. God saw the need of the Israelite people to be free from bondage of slavery in Egypt. God heard the cries of the Israelite people. He was attentive to their prayers and knew their burden. And God responded to set them free. We applied that to our lives, understanding that God sees our circumstances. That there are times in life that we go through battles. Things happen to us. Uh, I'm not just talking about the things that we cause on our own poor choices, but the things that happen to us, the attacks, the circumstances that we go through that, that we didn't expect. God hears our prayers in those moments, and God responds To meet our needs. Let me take it one step further as we continue this conversation. God sees the need in our world. The greatest need being the need for rescue from sin and a changed heart and a changed eternity. And God hears the prayers of we as Jesus followers. He's attentive to the reality that there are people who are crying out for God to do incredible things. There are people who are not satisfied with what's happening in the world, but continue to say, God, have your way and do a work in hearts. And God hears the evidence of sinfulness in our world. And let me say today that as God responds, God often does His work through people. Amen? God often does His work through people. Sometimes I think we expect God to just miraculously change the circumstances in our lives. And I'm not in any way suggesting that God can't do a miracle. That God on His own, without partnership with anybody, can do what He wants to do. But I've found that God often desires to do His work through people. In fact, it reminds me of the old story of the guy who was stranded in his home uh, up on the roof in the floodwaters. And uh, he prayed out to God and said, God, would you deliver me from this? And next thing you know, there was a boat that came by, uh, rescuers in the boat, and the man declined to get in the boat. God, the man kept crying out to God, God, would you rescue me? And the next thing you know, a helicopter came with rescuers. But the man declined to get on the helicopter with the rescuers and kept crying out, God, would you rescue me? Evidently, it didn't end so well. And the man goes to heaven and says, God, I cried out for you to rescue me. Why didn't you rescue me? And God says, well, I sent a boat to rescue you, and you turned it down. And I sent a helicopter to rescue you, and you turned it down. God often does His work and opens the doors for change through people. Now, God has already responded in one way in our world by sending Jesus to die on the cross and provide a way of salvation. And coming up in this series, we're going to talk about how much of this narrative in Scripture actually pointed to Jesus and Jesus being the deliverer for mankind. But we also know that right now in our world, God is responding to the need and the prayers of Jesus' followers by sending representatives into this world to help people experience freedom. In Exodus chapter 3, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. The ultimate purpose of this interaction was God wanted to share that he had heard the cries of the Israelite people and intended to deliver them. And God wanted Moses to know that he had chosen him to be the deliverer to lead them out. Exodus 3 verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hiphites and the Jebusites. And if you grew up in a legalistic culture, the Denamites... Now live, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Listen, now go for Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now like so many Jesus followers would do today, Moses questioned God. Moses didn't see himself as a leader or a deliverer. As Jesus followers, and talking with a friend of mine just within the last couple of weeks, he made a profound statement. As Jesus followers, we often live well below our potential. I want you to chew on that this week. As Jesus followers, we live below our potential. Well below the desires and empowerment and even the service that Jesus desires in our lives. We don't always see ourselves the right way. Now granted there's humility, we'll talk about that in a moment, the recognition that who are we to be worthy of the grace and the mercy of God. But we can go to a point where it's to an extreme, where we say we feel unworthy. I don't know about you, but have you ever had those days where you realize you're still human and you feel really unworthy? And the more you worship like today, and you're calling out of the holiness of God and worshiping the Lord, you're recognizing, I am not holy, I'm not who I could be, I'm growing in the Lord. But then it goes a step further. If we don't view the Lord the right way or even ourselves the right way, when, we, when God wants to use us, we can begin to say, He wants to use me? Isn't there someone else? Couldn't you choose someone else out of all the people you could call? Couldn't you use someone else? But God wants us to be empowered representatives of Jesus. Rather than seeing ourselves as inadequate unqualified, and unable to serve in the way Jesus expressed with his words. He wants us to see that he can use us. So today, if you're here and you've ever had God ask you to do something, maybe it was a moment where the Lord said, you see that stranger across the way, I want you to talk to him or her. Maybe it's bigger than that, and it's about a pivotal moment in your life where God is bringing about a shifting of what you thought life would be like, a shifting of what you even thought you would do in your career, and God is asking you to do something. It's a big deal. Or maybe it's what applies to all of us, that God has asked us to be a part of helping other people follow Jesus. If you've ever had God ask you to do something, or maybe He's asking you to do something now, this is for you. For you see, God is the answer for our insecurities, our inadequacies, our doubts, and our excuses. God is the answer for our insecurities, our inadequacies, our doubts, and our excuses. And as we look through this narrative together, we're going to see that God's presence is with us, God's power is within us, and it works through and around us, that God promises to equip us no matter how inadequate we may feel in ourselves, and that God qualifies us no matter what our past may have been. So let's take a few moments and lean in to the conversation between God and Moses. We're going to be in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 for much of the conversation today. Number one, if you're taking notes, God promises to be with us. God promises to be with us. Exodus 3, beginning in verse 10. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I? to appear before Pharaoh. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Who am I, Lord? Now, when you read this initially, you can kind of pick up that Moses maybe had some humility in this moment. Of all the people, God that you could have chosen to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, why me? Who am I, Lord? I don't have any special qualifications. I mean, can you hear yourself thinking this way? I don't have any special qualifications. I'm not good at these things. There are a lot of people who could do what you're asking me to do much better than I am. You can see the evidence of humility. And humility is important in our lives. Humility says, I don't have the resources... I don't have the strength, I don't have the skills to do this. I can't do this on my own. That's a proper perspective. Even at salvation, we have to come to the place of recognizing, I can't just good behavior myself out of the issue of sin. I've got to have a Savior. That's why Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, or blessed are those who recognize their need for Him. Humility is important. But there can come an an unhealthy extreme where we begin to think we're worthless, unworthy, and could never be used by God. So while we should be humble, there should also be a confidence. Humility is, I can't do this on my own. Confidence is, but God. Humility is, I can't handle this situation on my own. Confidence is, but God. There's belief in Him. There's assurance in our lives that whatever assignment He gives us, He makes the difference. I'm limited, but He is not. I'm unable, but He is able. I am confident not in myself, not in my own ability, not in my own skills or words. I am confident that He can even through me. Now, you're right today. Whatever God calls you to do, whether it's in the moment, whether it's a career, whether it's a a step in life, whether it's helping other people follow Jesus, whatever God calls you to do, however He assigns you in your life, you can't do it on your own. On our own, we aren't qualified. On our own, we don't have the resources and the strength that it will take. But we can have confidence because God's presence in our lives makes the difference. He has all power. Nothing is impossible with Him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is recorded as saying, I will not abandon you as orphans, I will come to you. And even in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the great commission to the followers then and Jesus' followers now, He says, Go into all the world and teach them. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And then He gives this promise. And lo, I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. Well, God, you want me to go make disciples, I can't do it. But with you, Lord, working through me, it can be done. In myself, I don't have what it takes. But with you at work through me, it can be done. God promised to be with Moses. God promises to be with us. And then he gave him one other promise. He said, look, Moses, this is going to be a sign to you that you're going to be successful. You're going to come back to this spot and worship at this same mountain. It was the promise that what you're about to step into is going to be successful. It reminds me of the story in the Gospels where the disciples are on the boat on the Sea of Galilee and the storms rage and they're scared and they're afraid. And of course, Jesus comes into the boat and ultimately he talks to the storm. The storm is still and he teaches the disciples through that moment. But where they lost sight of the whole thing was before they ever got in the boat, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. It was already planned. It was already decided. The same was true in this moment. Moses, I'm sending you, but I will be with you and you will be successful because I've already made this be the plan. This is what's going to happen. He promised to be with us. Now, I would like to believe that in all of our lives, the presence of God with us would take care of all of our questioning, but you see in Moses, that's not the case. Moses goes on to continue to protest with God. So not only do we learn that God's presence, He will be with us, but number two, we learn that God's presence matters because God doesn't change. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is His name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name. God has a name. My name to remember for all generations. Now Moses had a point. The Israelites were living in Egypt And in that culture, there was a belief in polytheism. They didn't just worship one true God, they worshipped multiple gods. Whether they were real, whether they were statues, whether they were demonic powers, whatever the case, they were engaged in God worship, but not the God, multiple so-called gods. So Moses said, what should I tell them? The Israelite people knew the culture of the Egyptians, and he also knew, they also may have even been tempted to engage in some of these polytheistic ways of life. So Moses said, what name am I to give them? And God gives His name. Notice what He says. I am who I am. Another way to say it is, I am the one who is and will be. This name is known even in Genesis and even to the Israelite people's ancestors. And the meaning is so complex yet so beautiful. The meaning of this is self-existence, self-sufficiency, eternal, sovereign, not controlled by anything or anyone else, unchangeable and active. Ultimately, God wanted the Israelite people to know, I am the God of your ancestors and I was before them then I was with them, I will still be with you, and when tomorrow comes and the page turns and life is still going on, I'll still be the same God tomorrow that I've always been in the past. God hadn't changed. The same God who promised to work, the same God who had been with the Israelite ancestors, was the same God who would be with Moses and the people. Moses could be confident in God's presence, The Israelite people could be confident in God's presence and activity. God said, let them know, I'm in control, I'm active, and I will be working on their behalf. We need to be confident in our lives. God is with us, and God is everything that we need. He will lead us, and by His power, He will make His ways known. I want to encourage you today. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.8 that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He says something, we know from track record He will do it. If He promises to be powerful, He will be powerful. He will be with us. His power is unchanging. His character is unchanging. So when we look in His Word and when we look back through our lives, we can know He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will be with us. He will be powerful. He will be faithful. Now in the remainder of Exodus 3, God told Moses what to tell the Israelite leaders. God told Moses what would happen with Pharaoh of Egypt. So by the end of Exodus chapter 3, Moses is well equipped by God to do what was needed. He knew God would be with him. He knew that God was the same as he'd always been so he'll be powerful through it all. He knew God would lead them. He knew what was going to happen in some ways. Moses was well equipped. But like humans, Moses wasn't done in his debate with God. Number 3, we find in the narrative that God will God will prove his power in our lives. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. Here's Moses' next complaint. Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me? Or listen to me? What if they say, The Lord never really appeared to you. You didn't have an encounter with God. You just had bad food the night before. You didn't have a real encounter with God. You just thought you saw something out in the desert. How much sand is really in your eyes, Moses? What's really going on out there? in the Are you getting crazy out there with all the flocks you're trying to take care of? You didn't really see this happen. God, what do I do when they question me and they say it's not really you? I'm not convincing, Lord. What if they don't believe me? Moses was prepared for people to doubt him. So God goes on to prove his miraculous power to Moses. He tells him, you see that staff in your hand? Throw it down. And the staff became a snake. The only way I'm staying close to a snake is if God made it happen in front of me. Just to be clear. I only like one kind of snake. A dead one. Somebody said amen over there. He tells him to reach down and grab the snake. It becomes a staff again. He tells him to stick his hand inside the coat. He pulls his hand out. It's sick with leprosy or skin disease. He puts it back in. he comes out clean. God was proving his power to him. So on the belief of those two miracles and signs, God told Moses, Moses was going to be able to walk in and see God's miraculous power on display for other people. And then he said, if they don't believe that, you're even going to be able to take a cup of water from the Nile River, pour it out on the ground, and it's going to turn into blood. God's saying, I'm going to show them. My power is going to be on display. And if we believe God's presence is with us, and we believe God is the same God who He's always been, then we can trust that when we are being obedient to the plan of God in our lives, when we are going forth to do whatever God has called us to do, we can trust that God's power will be on display. And i got to tell you, in this world we're living in today, we need the power of God to be on display. The people that you're interacting with, the people that you talk to, they need more than a religion. They need more than empty words. They need people who will give them truth and that truth being confirmed by the power of God so that they know this isn't some fake, this isn't some counterfeit, this isn't just another religion. This is Almighty God who is working in power. How do we know that we can trust Him to do powerful things? Well, look back in His Word. Throughout history, God has been doing powerful things. Look back in your own life. How many of you can testify with me today? God has done incredible, powerful, even miraculous things in our lives. We're in a place where we need and want and we must depend on the power of God to be at work in our lives. So we're comforted. And when God says, do this, whether it's a task, whether it's a shift, or whether it's representing Christ to the world, that God's going to be with us. He's the same God He's always been, and that means He's going to prove His power in our lives. Next, this narrative teaches us God will equip us. How many of you have ever felt like God asked you to do something, and you felt like, I don't have the skill set to do this? Anybody? Anybody? I got to admit to you, there's certain parts of, of pastoring a church that, that I feel like, okay, I, I can recognize the Lord is, is working in my life. I can recognize the Lord's led me in my life. But there, there are parts to ministry, and it happens fairly often. I think it's God's way of keeping us humble sometimes. Uh, but, it, but there's plenty of times where it's like, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I can't walk into people groups who come from all over the world and and tell them about you and expect that somehow in my own power I'm going to convince them to turn away from everything they've ever known in their lives. God, it's got to be you. It's got to be your power. It's got to be your work. Exodus 4.10, Moses pleaded with the Lord. Notice he is not letting up. Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. You want me to go talk to this stranger? I can't even talk well to the people in my own house. You want me to go talk to, to who? You want me to represent? What if they ask me? All the different things that we could come up with. Now, it seems, and there's a little debate in this, but it seems like most likely that Moses had some kind of speech struggle And God goes on to eventually accommodate him in this conversation with his own brother named Aaron. But I want you to first notice God's answer to Moses. Exodus 4 verse 11. The Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Now, I don't know how you guys read the scripture, but I think God's a little sarcastic sometimes. Hey Moses... This, this question you've got about you can't say the right thing, you don't have a way with words. Who do you think made your mouth? Who do you think decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? I love it that God asks the questions He already knows the answers to. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, listen to this. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. God, what do I say to this stranger? God, what do I say to my family members that I'm getting ready to be together with at Thanksgiving and Christmas who are very skeptical and cynical? What do I say to these people? I don't think I can do it, Lord. I'm not well-spoken. I I can't put all the logic together. I can't argue and debate with them because they're smarter than I am. Anybody? Lord, I get tongue-tied. I don't speak well. And God says back, but wait a minute. Didn't I make you? Didn't I form you in your mother's womb? Don't you think I still have all power? I'm going to be with you. I've already told you. I'm going to go with you. And I'm the same God I've always been. So I will go with you, but I won't just go with you. I'll give you the words to speak. I will tell you what to say. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, talking to the disciples, and in the context, He's talking about the potential of being arrested in the future. And this is what Jesus said. When you are arrested... Don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. Listen. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. You wonder why we talk about the help of the Holy Spirit. You wonder why we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The whole understanding of Scripture is that when the Holy Spirit is at work in us and we are empowered by Almighty God, we are given supernatural speech. We are given Spirit-inspired words. Whether that's the intercession of the Spirit through us in a language we don't understand, or whether it's in moments where we're witnessing to someone else about Jesus in words we do understand, God has promised, if you will go, If you will do what I tell you to do, if you will do what I've commanded, if you will walk in obedience, I'll be with you. And I'm the same God I've always been. And my power will be at work. And I will equip you. You won't be going in your own power. You won't be going in your own strength. You won't be doing this with your own natural human words. But you will be given the words to speak by God Himself. When God leads us in some way and we feel inadequate, we can trust that God will equip us. He will equip us to talk to others even about Him. Now, I wish I could say that that after this, that Moses quit debating God. I wish I could say that every time God has spoken to us, we've quit asking questions. But in reality, we see a lot of ourselves in Moses. So Moses wasn't quite done. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I've had moments in my life where I've wondered, you know, I think I tested the grace of God right now. (laughs) I may have tested his patience. The Bible goes far enough to say that Moses kept going so much, he really did upset God, because he wouldn't stop debating God. And Moses got to the point of really letting out how he really felt. God, would you just send somebody else? God, would you, just, would you just, of all the people, please just, just pick someone else. Rather than do that, God in his mercy, notice, Moses has gone on so long that he's upset the Lord, but in his mercy and grace, God actually equips Moses by sending his brother Aaron with him. So Moses is preparing to leave Midian and go back to Egypt. He's gone to his father-in-law, Jethro, and he's let him know, Hey, listen, I've been working for you, but I believe the Lord has sent me back to Egypt. I'm getting ready to go back to Egypt. So he's preparing to leave. And then in Scripture, in Exodus 4.19, there's an interesting comment that God made to Moses. It seems like the debate's over, but God says one more thing that just sticks out to me. Exodus 4.19. Return to Egypt. For all those who wanted to kill you have died. Now, does anybody remember what happened and and what was going on when Moses left Egypt? You remember what we talked about last week? Moses grew up in the luxury of the palace of Pharaoh because Pharaoh's daughter is the one who found him, adopted him, and named him. But as he was older he went out to check out his own people the Hebrews and found out that they were being punished under very harsh slavery they were in bondage so Moses gets mad enough anybody remember Moses gets mad enough he kills a Hebrew or excuse me kills the Egyptian first then the next day he goes out and he sees two of his own people, two Hebrews, and they're fighting each other. Moses is like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys got it bad enough. Don't fight each other." And the, one of them says, "Well, wait a minute. Who made you judge you going to kill one of us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday?" And then Moses has a light bulb moment. "Wait a minute. People know what I did?" People aren't going to like what I did. And the Bible says that Pharaoh began to chase him down, to take him out because he killed an Egyptian. So when Moses left Egypt, he was fleeing because he was a murderer. And God comes to Moses in Exodus 4.19 and says, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. Now, I don't want to take too much liberty, but hear me out. Everyone who knew Moses by his past was gone. I wonder if Moses had any wrestling along the way. God is sending me back to Egypt and the last time I was there, I killed a person. They're going to know who I am and they're going to want to kill me. And I just wonder if God didn't know that that was going on, even if Moses didn't articulate it, I just wonder that God didn't know that was going on. That was a tension in Moses' heart of, oh my goodness, he's sending me back, and I'm going to be in big trouble. And instead God says, oh by the way, here's a little reminder. The people who wanted to kill you are gone. I don't want to take too much liberty, but I found that there are a lot of people who need to hear this in the body of Christ. God can use you despite your past. God can use us despite our past. I've met many people who think, well, I've done too many things wrong. My past is full of issues. How in the world could I ever testify to someone else? But that's the beauty of it. You're testifying of His story. The history of your life is really His story. And it's what He's done to bring you from darkness into light. And the people that you're concerned about, well, they're going to know who I used to be. They're going to be the ones who begin to recognize in your life it had to be something more than just this guy pulling up his bootstraps and trying to make behavioral changes. There's clearly been a work in this life and it's going to attract them to what's going on. Here's what I want you to know. A couple of things. If you've believed in Jesus, and confessed Him as the Lord of your life, you need to let yourself off the hook. You've been forgiven by God. There are a lot of people, even in the body of Christ, who are still living in the bondage of what they used to do. They're still living in the bondage of who they used to be. And the enemy loves to add to that conversation to make you feel the guilt and the condemnation or to make you consider that you'll never be worthy enough, you'll never be good enough to be anything. But that's the beauty of the gospel is God takes us and instead of giving us what he deserves, what, what, what we deserve, he gives us way better than what we deserve and he brings us out of darkness into light, changes our life, changes our status and then wants to use us to help other people know Jesus. He can use us despite whatever life has been like before. Whatever mistakes you think there were, whatever sins there may have been, whatever things that have happened in your life that you feel like disqualify you from ever being used by God, God can use us in the midst of all of it. There's two things I want to reiterate and we're closing. First of all, as God gives you His plan, follow Him. He will be all that you need. What's He asking you to do? Is it, is it the moment of talking to someone, stranger, family member in the upcoming holiday season? Is it, is it a shift in life where God is leading you to walk through a different door? It's not a door you even thought was in the same house. And God's leading you a different direction. Is it something that, that you weren't expecting? Whatever the case. What is God asking you to do? The simple response should be, Yes Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll do it, not because I have confidence in myself, but because I have confidence in you and your ability to work in me. I have confidence, Lord, that you'll be with me. I have confidence, Lord, that you are the same God you've always been. You will be powerful in and through my life. You will give me the words to speak. You will equip me in the ways that I can't do it on my own. God, you are giving me a direction. I will follow you, and I'm trusting you will be all that I need. Secondly, and this is for every one of us, no matter what spot you're in in life, this is true for all of us. God wants to use us to see other people delivered. The truth is, there are a lot of people today living in bondage in the proverbial Egypt. They're in slavery to sin. They're in bondage to sin. And they need to be free. And you Christ follower don't have to wait for God to call you to represent him to this world. He's already done that. I've been around people before. You know when the Lord tells me what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it. And there's room for that. I'm not suggesting that. But when it comes to are we supposed to represent Christ so that other people can be set free? The answer is already yes. He's already spoken. People are in bondage to sin. They need truth. They need freedom. And we are the ones to represent Jesus. So today, at least in this area, every one of us can respond and say, Lord, you're calling me to be a witness to my world. I'm trusting you'll go with me. I'm trusting you're the same God you've always been. I'm trusting you will give me the words to speak and equip me. And you will show your power and people will be set free. Not because of me, but because of you working through me. Our yes needs to be with God. I want to ask you if you're in the auditorium today, would you stand with me? And if you're online, would you take a moment to respond as well? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you've been here long enough, you know that's just to keep you from from being distracted in this moment. I really want you to be able to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What am I needing to take away from this, Lord? Some of you may already know. Some of you may recognize already in your life that God's calling you to do something. It could be small, it could seem bigger. Whatever the case, that God's calling you to do something. And and maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're wrestling. Maybe you're reluctant. Maybe you're willing But you're feeling inadequate, like you don't have the skills, the strength, the resources. That's A a humble place to be is a right place to be. But at the same time, you can have confidence in the Lord that He will equip and He will lead and He will prove Himself faithful. So today, whatever God is asking you to do, whether it's a a moment of talking to a specific person, whether it's a a shift in life that God's leading you to, whether it is, is even helping other people follow Jesus... Whatever the case, the response for us today should be to trust Him. Lord, I trust who You are. Lord, I trust that You're the same God You've always been. Lord, I trust that You have all power and You will equip me and You will give me the words to speak and You will help me walk in obedience to what You're asking me to do. And then today, You're saying, my yes is with You, Lord. You may still have questions. You may not figure, feel like you've got it all figured out. You may just feel like God's prompting you in some way. You're, you're saying today, Lord, even if I don't understand it all, or even if I have question marks, Lord, I'm, I'm saying yes to you. Because, Lord, I trust whatever you have for my life and whatever you want to do through me that benefits others for the kingdom, that's what I want to see happen. That's what I need. So, Lord, I'm trusting you. I won't go along. It won't be in my own power. Lord, I'm trusting you. And then today, as you say, Lord, my yes is with you, you're also saying and asking from the humble place of, Lord, would you equip me to follow your plan? As God gives you the plan, follow Him. Let your yes be with God. And trust Him and ask Him to be all that you need so that He can use you in whatever He has. Father, I thank you today for people who are in this room and online. And they're, they're listening to your word because they're wanting to hear from you. They're gathered today because they want to hear from you. And Lord, there may be some people who have heard this today and maybe maybe they're in this spot. Whether it's a single moment, whether it's a life shift or whether it's being involved in representing you, Jesus, to the world around us. There can be some reluctancy or hesitancy sometimes. There can be some question marks. Lord, I pray for those who are wrestling with saying yes, that today there would be a willingness, that more than anything we would have our yes with you, being willing to follow you. Whatever plan you have, whatever direction you have, whatever the details are, even if we don't see all of the details up front, Lord, that we would be willing to to sign that blank contract. We'd be willing to put the signature on it, no matter what the parameters are, to say, yes, God, we'll follow you, period. And then, Lord, today we're trusting you to equip us. We're trusting you, oh God, to be with us, to be powerful in and through our lives. We're trusting You today, O God, to equip us, to give us the words to speak. We're we're just trusting that You will work through us. Because we recognize we can't do it on our own. We don't have what it takes. But Lord, if You will work through us, there can be great things to happen. I pray, O God, anyone who's feeling reluctant or hesitant, anyone who may have doubts, Insecurities or excuses that Lord today we would align our yes with you and we would trust you more to fulfill and equip everything you've promised through us. I want to pray a prayer blessing over you and there are going to be some people who will pray with you. Maybe it's that you're struggling to say yes to God. Maybe it's you're struggling with feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy. Maybe today it's another need that's really burdensome to your life. And you know, I need some breakthrough in this area. Whatever it is, these people will pray with you, agree with you, and even be used to the Spirit of God to encourage you. Let's let God speak. Let's let God work. Let's let God lead us. Let's align our yes with God and trust Him to equip us to do what He wants to do. Now, Father, would You bless and keep this people? Would You make Your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them? May Your countenance ever be turned their direction. May they experience great favor from You, Lord. And may You grant them Your peace. As we go forward in life, may our yes be aligned with you. And may we trust you to equip us in whatever we may need to be obedient to your plan. I trust, Lord, we're going to continue to see great things as we follow you. Go with us and keep us in Jesus' name.